Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back for uh, a momentous occasion to talk about how we're going to do weekly Game of Thrones updates. Yeah, and a rewatch, too- <laughs> and we're doing it. No, no, we're not doing any of that stuff. We uh, have we have gotten an average of one podcast a week for the last two weeks. That's we? pretty impressive. Yeah, we well, did that well, Kim Kim interview last there, week. There are going to be a lot more episodes where those came from because apparently it was just announced, well, a couple of things. Uh, just announced that they canceled one series, uh, one prequel series that was supposed to... It's kind of the, the the kind of loose name attached to that was The Long Night. It was... Yeah, it was uh, set around the, the time of the... Thousands of years before Game of Thrones in the first Age of Heroes where the, Night Walk, the, the, the White Walkers first appeared. Yep. And the other bit of news is that they they have greenlit uh, Beyond Pilot, I think, uh, the series House of the Dragon, uh, which is going to be all about the Targaryen dynasty, mm-hmm. uh, and that's also a prequel, obviously. Yeah, this is. Uh, they said it's going to be based on the Fire and Blood history. We've already got Volume One. In fact, uh, I reviewed Volume One back last year, the year before last, um, when it first came out. Link in the show notes. <laughs> Link in the show notes um, to the like I think as a six part series or something like that. Um, but yeah, and then then uh, there's a little bit of news in Schadenfreude, which is <laughs> uh, the Double D's got bounced off the Star Wars mm-hmm. movie trilogy, and we'll talk about these things in order. Uh, Jim, what was your reaction to the cancellation of the Long Night? They HBO had invested some money in this. They had a showrunner. Jane Goldman attached. They'd done a lot of casting. They'd shot a full pilot in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, watched the pilot and said, meh. Well, they said, here's the thing. These two things are linked, obviously, right? Like they, they've made a decision on which of the prequel series they're going forward with. And I think we always kind of knew because they were talking about three, four, like however many prequels in development. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that there was going to be something that had to give there. They, mm-hmm. they were going to have to pick one and go with it. And they've just essentially made that decision. I don't think it was like, oh, this pilot sucked and all the people involved should be ashamed. I think it was more like we we think we have faith in the House of the Dragon. See, I I disagree. I think that this pilot must have been pretty bad or underwhelming because... Why? Uh, because they order this, they order the fire and blood thing straight to the series, which means there's mm-hmm. going to be no pilot. They're just going to make ten episodes of this, and then we're going to air it. That seems a little bit like, hey, mm-hmm. we thought we were going to have this prequel show ready to go, and we're developing these other things, but like now they feel like they're behind schedule. That Game of Thrones was didn't end the way they wanted it to. Game of Thrones is going to be off the air longer than they thought it was going to be, and we need to get something. Oh, shit, George has got half a book written. Let's do it. Well, I I just wonder what was it about the pilot that could have been so bad that a recasting or that changing up the uh, directors and the showrunners and stuff like that couldn't have solved. I tell you what, I think the one big thing is that that they didn't count on is the Double Ds cut the nuts off the White Walkers. Well, yeah, that didn't help. Like... The, the to the extent that they were interesting villains, uh, th- something would have to matter. Like it, th- they'd have to they'd have to do something um, to, to where like you'd be like, wow, how did all this start? Um, at the end of the day, the White Walkers are a very minor threat that were relatively easily handled, with, uh, and yeah. people went on with their lives. So like, I feel like the Double D's decision to 
minimize, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this to minimize the fantasy elements and to kind of lean away that and subvert expectations. Um, you know, all that stuff with the mysterious, the abducting babies and trans, none of that stuff really mattered. So like, mm -hmm. why the hell would anyone be interested in a sequel that's, or in a prequel that's built all around their initial menace? If, if eventually they just get defeated easily i don't know i mean filling in color is kind of what uh george martin has been doing for the last True. five years right he's been writing right. these books about the targaryens and sure the, uh, the world of ice and fire doing all these fucking art books and yeah i mean so like but is that yes they didn't do much appeal. they didn't do anything with it in the the series game of thrones yeah. but you know you could go back and fill in the the white walkers and say okay this is why they matter this is like who they are and stuff like that it might be interesting I think also uh, like when you look at the landscape of like uh isn't Amazon that's shooting the Lord of the Rings yeah. uh kind of Silmarillion like to me the one of the reasons that people really liked Game of Thrones I know you did is because it's got this kind of like really in-depth kind of real world politics yeah through through a medieval lens and there's just not a lot of that in a long night it's like m epic high fantasy mm, okay. you know like some mythical creatures right off the bat and the, the you know magic is kind of like a living breathing part of this world uh, good good cancel that one let's go with the house see, of the dragon see that's what i'm yeah. saying like i so they're going <laughs> like you know to targaryen history is just one long trashy soap opera list of like po politics and this yeah. and that and there's lots of interesting colorful characters even halfway through uh the, but but i also don't know like um there's also a lot there's 300 years of history do you go with the invasion of Aegon the conquer do you go with like the dance of dragons do you go with the blackfire rebellion there's a lot of different um uh there's a lot of different um ways you could go and i and and the the if you go back and listen to those talks that you know anthony and, I and uh kim had about fire and blood some of that shit was pretty dry and some of that stuff mm. was also very uh well some people said this and some people said this and then fucking mushroom the fool said this except for it's a dick joke like <laughs> there's not a lot of like straightforward narrative it's it, it reads more like a history book a very high level history book at that yeah do, so, do you think they can fill that stuff out? Oh, sure. And, and sort of dr dramatize the history book? But I, I also wonder... The way wonder, that like Dan Carlin does with his podcast? Yeah, no, you could totally do it. Um, I just wonder, like... Uh, I, the, the, the thing is, is how do you keep it from being um, a lower stakes version of Game of Thrones? Oh, and what I mean by that is literally, at any point, this is just the action of Game of Thrones minus uh, the ever-present threat of the White Walkers. It's just mm -hmm. like, um, uh, it's just a, it, it, it's, it's almost always just a rebellion. You know, is it's, that a bad it's, thing. I don't. I don't know. That's a bad yeah. thing. Like, how many fucking cop dramas have I seen in my life? How many times have we seen the Death Star or a yeah. super weapon being destroyed in Star Wars? And I'll I'll be honest. Like, the White Walkers weren't the most interesting part of that. It was all the the political machinations to me, particularly. So, yeah, I I could be in on that. Yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. I I think you're right, though. It it probably is the better choice of the two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Price, Priceline. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Um, I saw that. So like George Martin and Ryan Condal, he's known for three seasons of Colony, which is a show, a science fiction show that I've mm-hmm. never seen before. Yeah. Um, Sawyer from Lost. Sure. And and Sarah Wayne Callies, actually. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Like, uh, I don't have no idea about that as uh, his reputation as a showrunner. I know that uh, supposedly Miguel Sapochnik and Condal will be co-showrunners. And I have a lot yeah. of faith in Miguel. Yeah. Uh, and also George, if he's like, you know, obviously he's motivated to write 600 some pages of the first volume of Targaryen history, presumably 600 more. So you got him on his game working there. It could uh, just be they greenlit this one because it's the one George was most interested in. I mean, it could and be. they figured like he would be able to actually sustain a little it bit. It is funny that they're ordering straight to series, a, a series based on a set of books in the Game of Thrones universe that George Martin has yet to complete. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess if they're if they're telling so a um, repeating. if they're telling the uh, you know like the dance if they're wanting to tell the dance of dragons or if they're wanting to tell the like you know story of the initial invasion um, of, uh, of 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 Westeros then they pretty much got that in the can mm-hmm. so I it, it's it's the last hundred fifty years of the Targaryens leading up to the Baratheon period. Um, but the, the thing is, is that's also like that's kind of probably the juiciest stuff. If you yeah. want to tell like what led up to the Baratheon Rebellion, uh, you know, let's like I'm sure there's lots of people like to know more about um, Lyanna Stark and her love affair with Rhaegar Targaryen. 
Um, and you'd have recognize you'd have the Mad King, you'd have uh, you know young versions of uh, Robert and Ned Stark to play with. There's, I, I could see that being the most interesting piece, but also that's the piece that George Martin has yet. But I, I imagine that's one of the ones he's fleshed out the most because there's so much of that that's kind of in the appendices and the nooks and crannies of Game of Thrones. That's the thing. I was going to say, you know, it's it's encouraging to see that at least there's an outline for that. We know the, the general history would of that. Would you say some bullet points? I would say, yes, a series of bullet points, but we saw how that worked out before. So, And crucially, we know how it ends. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. So they're they're like it'd be like uh, the best case scenario for this is just a really good like Star Wars prequels mm-hmm. um, because it, they they really book in neatly to uh, the next generation. But honestly, uh, since I know a lot about that time period, I would like for them to explore something like the Blackfire Rebellion, which I think is a juicy topic, or the Dance of Dragons, or the mm-hmm. the the I don't know, but the original conquering would be interesting just like targaryens coming in and kicking the shit out of westeros with the, their giant dragons yeah it's like the conquest of danny only yeah it's just the conquest of danny <laughs> <laughs> you, did you like people writhing in, in fields of fire hmm. well you got you got six seasons of it coming to hbo plus or hbo max i guess those they're calling it i don't know if that's what i want i don't really just want a stampede i don't want a steamroller of, of a series uh, but yeah, ordering straight to season or straight to series means that this is a done deal. Like this will, uh, it's going to be shot. It's going to be shot as a whole, and it's pr- which means good or bad or ugly. It's going to make it to air, um, and sooner rather than later. Do you want to? Is there anything else we want to talk about? Just uh, um, in either of these, the either cancellation or the news about it being uh, uh, picked up. I will also, uh, this stuff that is being reported in Vanity Fair, I'll, I'll link to those articles in the show notes if you guys want to read it with your own two eyes um, or one eye or no eyes or three eyes, whatever. Do you do you want to talk about this a little bit more or do you want to get right to the double Ds? Yeah, let's talk about the double Ds because this I find horrifying fascinating i disturb i don't know it's all just a clusterfuck yeah so this within a 24-hour period um there was a thread um on twitter posted by a twitter account named uh at for aria um and they were sitting in the austin film festival and they essentially did a paraphrased um q a session that they relayed um so in the paraphrasing maybe I'll just just disclaimer. Maybe this person is being uncharitable in the yeah, paraphrasing. Could be. Um, so just keep that in mind. But we're going to kind of go. So that got released, and then we also found out that the double D's got released from their Star Wars three three, three movie trilogy, um, uh, a Star Wars deal. Yeah, and they still have their two hundred and fifty yeah. million dollar Netflix deal intact. Yep. Before we get in, do you think that that's in danger? No. Really? No. They also this also within a week of Jim and I the first thing that Benioff I think has worked on uh, since or be, even before Game of Thrones and it flopped and flopped hard. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, there was so much like knowing what was up going into this deal. Like they knew that they had this Star Wars deal on the table that they were probably going to have to work just an insane amount to get you know all these series that Netflix wanted plus the Star Wars thing going. I don't. I don't think that Star Wars being off the table is a bad thing in Netflix eyes. I think that's almost a good thing. Do you think Netflix is scared at all that they've bought a lemon? On the car? <laughs> they should be. If they're not, they should be. Yeah. 
Uh, do you want to talk about this Twitter thread to kind of like delve uh -huh. into? Um, because here's the thing. Dan and David were both born incredibly wealthy and privileged people. Hmm. Um, uh, David Benioff was born to the head of Goldman Sachs, Megabucks. Hmm. Uh, Dan uh, was uh, wealthy enough to able to study abroad, went to college, got his degree in Irish literature over in Ireland. Um, and Game of Thrones was literally the first television work they'd ever done. Yeah. And one of the things that it kind of came out when I was reading Kim's book on the unofficial guide to Game of Thrones is like I wasn't aware of like what a fucking debacle that the the the, the pilot was. Yeah. That apparently it had to be like ninety percent of it reshot, and just stuff like that uh, kept coming out. And then this Twitter thread dropped. I'm gonna read a couple tweets and get your reaction from it. <laughs> it's all gonna be just pulling my hair out, going what the fuck. Uh, David said that they went to fan casting pages, and that's how they found Jason Momoa. I don't know what these are. What do you mean? Fan casting pages? Oh yeah. So like, if, if you go to like uh, uh, anytime there, like let's say that uh, your people are really excited about the Harry Dresden file series from Jim Butcher, uh, and you go to the subreddit there, there's per, you know every three months there'll be a casting thread. Who do you think would be good for this? Who do you think oh, would be okay. good for that? Okay, yeah, yeah. So they like, you know, so, I thought like, this was some industry term for like. No, having, no, no, having no, up and no. Coming they actors audition for them. Literally, are farming out casting deals gotcha. to. But I guess I, that's in they isolation, not are a big fans, deal. And and it like that's the thing, right? Like they're newbie fans, like uh -huh. like newbie producers and writers, or television writers anyway, and fans. So they probably thought, yeah, that's a cool way to go. Mm. Give the uh, fans what they want. Yeah, in isolation, I mean, it, it, it rankles a little bit that, like, you know, you're essentially crowdsourcing your work out to fans, but, you know, whatever. But they, the fans the fans are smart. Fans might have some good picks. Uh-huh. Um, they said that, like, they're describing the pre-meeting with uh, George Martin, who was questioning her bona fides, and that they didn't really have any because yeah. they'd never done TV, uh, and they d can't explain why they trusted him uh, or them with their life's work. Um I can't either. He said they talked about the pilot with their friends who they let watch the first attempt at a pilot. One of the people was Craig Mazin, who wrote Chernobyl. Mm. Uh, and they acknowledged that the first pilot had many basic writing mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, they acknowledged they had no idea why after such a dismal pilot, HBO went forward. Um, quote, everything we could make a mistake in, we did. The script, casting, costume. Uh, they think the HBO went forward because they had a lot of foreign pre-sales on the series. So it's like, yeah. ah, shit, we've already sold this and But I don't China know why Russia, they went so. forward with them at the helm, if that's the case. Because yeah. you could certainly bring in some more experienced people, right? They take, Just go splash some cash onto anybody who's done a popular TV show in the last decade. Bring them in, have them do it. Here's a head slapper. Dan's quoted as saying, Game of Thrones was, quote, basically an expensive film school for me and Dave. <laughs> oh, God. We had no idea how to work with costume designers. It was such a huge learning experience. Oh, my God, Jim. The, the hilarious thing is if Stranger Things was not a hit th that it is, you'd be saying the same thing about the Duffers. Well, sure. But, but, yeah. but the investment, like the thing that boggles my mind about all of this, every single quote we're going to read is the amount of money behind this thing. The, the amount of money that HBO knew they were going to put into this and the trust that they put in people who had never done this before, Rega regardless of, you know, how smart or how big of fans or whatever the, the, the double Ds are, 
how do you put that much cash and that much trust in the hands of people who do not have any kind of proven track record? Two months before the pilot was to air, their episodes averaged 39 minutes long, and HBO forced them to reshoot over 100 minutes of scenes to meet their contractual obligations. Mm, that's another problem here, contractual obligations. Like 39-minute episodes of Game of Thrones? Like, And this is like uh, presumably when they're most motivated, they're working their hardest, they're like most yeah. intense. George Martin standing over their shoulder in the first few seasons. Holy shit. Um. The moderator at one point asked them about their comments, acknowledging they didn't understand the characters, and the extra minutes helped them understand the characters better. So being hmm. forced by HBO to go back and write 100 minutes allowed them to figure out the characters in Game of Thrones, which they were fans <laughs> of, the be, series, uh, the, the, the book series, A Song of Ice and Fire. Right. Um, Dan said that they let the actors redefine their roles, especially Maisie Williams. And they Who began writing for the actors. 13 at the time? Yeah. 13, 14? Maybe not even that old in the beginning. She was very young. I, hmm, that seems like a lot of trust to put in a child. He said they learned about the characters from the actors. What the fuck is this madness? <laughs> um, uh, the moderators asked him why they chose to write all the episodes by themselves. Because we didn't know better. HBO said, hmm. or David said HBO wanted them to hire other writers. So they decided to have Brian Cogman, their assistant, write four episodes. Uh, again, this is like a lot of the lot, one thing I asked, uh, Kim is like, why didn't, if these guys were getting tired of game of Thrones and there's a couple times they, they, this guy on Twitter mentions throughout this whole thing, they cite, um, uh, was it, was it the word wasted or they gave up 10 years of their life making game of Thrones. It's a very curious mm. way to describe a passion project. They, they sold 10 years of their lives for millions and millions of dollars. Yes. They sold 10 years of their lives for more money than I will see in my entire life. Yes. Um, How about let's put it that way. I think one of the things to probably remember about this is a lot of this stuff is talking about the early going. Mm -hmm. And in the early going, nobody had a problem with the show. They did a hell of a job with the early stuff. And so when they say, like, we didn't know any better about writing all the episodes ourselves, they wrote some really good shit. That That's everybody true. loved for five years. Well, like we even mentioned in the first season that, that scene between like uh Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister uh is some of the great is, is really good writing, it's all original. And it was right. all the, yeah. them doing in, like at at the end of a barrel of a gun. But but the but, more you look at it, it seems like the more of a fluke those scenes were. Like they had they had so much material to work with that all they really had to do was pare back a lot of it. And then the stuff that they did add themselves seems more like they got lucky mm -hmm. and and didn't disturb the good really really good stuff that martin had wrote too much and they they it was really good casting too yeah fantastic casting um this this goes back to this question that i was asking kim renfro that like if they said you know they kept on saying that they they had to give up 10 years of their life give up 10 years of life why once this st stopped becoming like an adaptation they're doing for fun as passion why didn't they like then bring more people in why didn't they mm -hmm. you know kind of like still executive produce but like maybe bring in a young uh, a person with more experience to show run this thing something that's got more experience so like just original writing that's the one question i understand like why they felt like they had to make this their baby when hbo wanted to expand this when hbo wanted to let it breathe more and they were clearly just wanting to sprint to the finish line yeah that's the thing that i'll i'll never understand uh dan uh, they continued dan said that they wanted to remove as many fantasy elements as possible because we didn't want to just appeal to that type of fan which i like that that's <laughs> that's actually one of the things that hooked me on the show yeah I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea now i do think that 
the mistake they made was to continue the pivot away because clearly the end of this story was intended to have a whole bunch of fantasy elements yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, they essentially just punted on all that shit and just went back to, you know, well, it's Lannisters versus everybody else, which might have also worked if they had, you know, some some more more talent to work with. One point they said is like, why did the battles consistently get better? It's because they kept their core group of stunt coordinators uh, together. And these people were learning uh, the same people that did the fights in season two or the ones that did the fights in season seven. So they just got better and better as they did it. And you saw that a little bit for in the documentary they made, like those people yeah. like knew um, everything. It kept on getting more and more ambitious. But you got this clear idea that they were like leveling up in their abilities as skill ma- as, as filmmaker in a way that like I don't think. You didn't see that same parallel kind of growth in the ability to tell a story in the writer's room. Yeah. Uh, one thing they uh, were asked, were you listening to the feedback of your fans as things went along? Dan said they did not. Uh, Dan said he does not see the value in considering other people's reactions. Um, <laughs> Dave acknowledged that he Googled the show and it upset him. <laughs> um, I mean, I this I think is defensible too. Like if you're a creative person, um, going out and like look finding out what other people are saying about your is not, I don't think, going to improve the process. Well, I think it could drive you crazy because everybody's going to have a different opinion. Everybody's going to hate everything you do and, and everybody's also going to love everything you do. So yeah, Here's- yeah, I, I feel him on that. Here's a scary quote. Did you really sit down to try to boil the elements of the books down? Did you try to understand its major elements? Answer, no, we didn't. Scope was just too big. It was about the scenes we were trying to depict, and the show was about power. Okay, <laughs> that's... It's a, it's too big to try to break down, so don't even bother trying. Just 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 hurdle towards that cliff. Uh, and yet they did end up boiling down a lot of major elements. You uh-huh. know? Like, and it seems like that was almost accidental. Well, I mean, I just think that they're. I just think that they did a really good job of of adapting what Martin had on the page for the most part. There Uh were some definite missteps here and there. There were so many things they cut out, which to me is boiling down the elements. Mm -hmm. That's they're implying that all that stuff happened not intentionally, but by by accident, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like they they were looking for the power story and telling that story, and all those other things just sort of happened along the way. Hmm. Which is crazy because I, I think you're right. Like they did a really good job of that. There's also a quote, and when they're talking about stressing giving up ten years of their life, Dan said it was like a ten year drunken party. Uh oh man, it must have been rough. What's the hangover like, Dan and Dave? We woke up and uh Jesus Christ, where do we park this Disney series? Oh my god, <laughs> it's in the ditch. It's on fire. Fucking uh, buy a new one. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I it's I'm I'm going to be very I'm going to be very curious to see if they're able to generate any kind of interest or buzz for Netflix because at this point with this, I mean it could be that they take their lumps and they learn from this and they buckle down, they surround themselves with better people, mm. um and they include more people in the writing room and this is a really learning experience. It is a damn shame though. It does seem like that these guys um, this is a really a great example of just kind of this mediocre falling up, you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, we yeah. got, uh, my parents are rich. Your parents are rich. Hey, you like game Man. of Thrones? I like game of Thrones. Hey, let's, let's convince a, a company to give us $50 million to do it just because we wowed George Martin with a steak dinner one night and we're good looking and flashy and, and we, we go for broke on selling enthusiasm. Like these, these kind of deals don't get just handed out but then you find out this stuff and like how how they were able to put this together for almost nothing it's it's kind of shocking mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Um, so yeah, well, their Game of Thrones is safe from the double D's for the immediate future. It seems like it's in good hands with Sapochnik and 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 Martin. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll be covering it. Yeah, like, we'll definitely they haven't be covering spoiled it. us on the the world of Martin. So, mm-hmm. and I am curious. I am excited to to see them um, going for the. Uh, Targaryen history, I think that's a lot better fit for what Game of Thrones is and what fans are kind of expecting, especially since, again, they kind of ruined the the, the prequel. It's like if uh, imagine if uh, Darth Vader just shit his pants and returned the Jedi and punched himself in the dick and, and, and accidentally killed himself and the Emperor and fell down a reactor shaft uh-huh. like prequel Star Wars. Not as interesting, right? Probably not. Yeah. So I think that's what happened with the the White Walkers. They they cut them their own heads off with lightsabers while they're punching themselves in the dicks. Uh, so now we got the Targaryens to play with, and it's in it's in better hands. Star Wars is in better is 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 out of their hands. They can't hurt that yeah. franchise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we I, I'm not sure when the next time we'll be back on this feed. Um, if there's any crazy news like this, uh, when we start to hear some like casting. Uh, we get a little bit more information about the, the, the series. We'll be back to do some updates, but, uh, yeah, please stay subscribed, um, for more kind of emergency podcasts like this. Uh, thank you for all the ones that have stayed, stayed subscribed and we'll see you the next time when we see you until then I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. So I don't know when the next time we'll be back on this feed to talk. Probably it depends on how much news comes out and like, you know, when there's big casting or we get closer to the production, there's there's actually news to talk about. Uh, we'll come back. Obviously, if Fire and Blood comes back, obviously, like I said last uh, with, with Kim, if God, Winds of Winter released, we'll be back. Um, but it's not like we're sitting around doing nothing. I know you have an HBO subscription or at least have a method of getting one. And there's another hot series. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Damon Lindelof has adapted a sequel to The Watchmen, and it's real good. Two episodes in. I thought you were going to say The Deuce. Also very good. We not just got as done putting The Deuce, uh, it, that series, to bed by the, the Wire's David Simon. It's very, very good. We had full coverage of that. Uh, we also are talking about the final season of Mr. Robot. Uh, we also have a coverage of His Dark Materials. Cecily from the American Horror Story and other podcasts is going to be joined by Alexis uh, of Pin Y fame uh, to be covering that. What else? We, what, are, what else? We, we're doing? Rick and Morty is a big one. It's coming. Season four is coming a week, two weeks from now. Yeah, we just, just we week. just got done doing all coverage of all three existing seasons. Uh, we've been joined by some special guests uh, like Jonah Ray and Alan Suppenwall. And uh, we'll be continuing that format with season four with the lot, you know, live coverage of the of the new seasons. Uh, we're doing that. Probably be talking a little bit of Mandalorian ahead. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, we'll also be having a review of the new sequel, uh, Star Wars Nine, the final one, mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we'll have that on the Bald Movies feed. Uh, yeah, stop by baldmove.com if you're looking for some TV talk, some TV coverage. We got a lot going on this last half of the year, this last quarter of the year. Uh, but until we see you on Game of Thrones, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.